finish this series we've been in over the last few weeks called Soul Detox, Clean Living in a Contaminated World. As I said, he's not here today, but I want to publicly thank Pastor for entrusting you with me over the last four weeks. I've enjoyed it, and I hope that you have uh, had something that the Lord has spoken into your life and strengthened, encouraged you, and helped you to grow. As we've been saying one more time, there are notes in the foyer on the round table as, as you leave if you want notes for the sermon. And uh, by tomorrow, you can go and download any of the messages that we have and also download the notes for those as well. Let's look at our verse of scripture that we've been looking at throughout this series. It's found in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. If you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, you should have this one down. Because we've looked at it every week and today we're going to dig into it a little bit more like we haven't before. And these are the words of Peter. He says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. God bless the reading of his word and anoint me to speak and anoint you to hear. Amen. We've been using this graphic over the last few weeks. I haven't said anything about it. We, there's this bluish-white mannequin that we've been using as the graphic for this series. And basically, that graphic is supposed to represent to us a clean, uh, healthy person. And not just that, a clean and healthy soul. We've talked a lot the last few weeks about our souls, haven't we? We've looked at a lot of different verses about our souls and what our souls should look like. But I haven't said a whole lot about the detox part. Um, detox, as, as many of you know, uh, a lot of times when you think about detox, you think about somebody who maybe has a serious drug or alcohol addiction. And maybe they are put in a facility somewhere and they're, they're, they're put away for a period of time to be able to get over that addiction. There's even television shows that chronicle some of that. But over the last probably 15, 20 years, there's been more talk about our body detoxing. And you can find all types of products and all types of infomercials out there that will tell you that you need to drink this and take this or, or take a pill or drink something to help detox your body and cleanse your body and help your body to feel better and all that. And when we started this little series four weeks ago, I, the first week I told you that somebody who shall remain nameless, named Jack Bergen, had, uh, had asked me if I would start the series drinking a green health shake, you know, to, to symbolize the detox. And I said, no, thank you, that will not happen. Well, I, it actually did happen. I, as we were going through this, I thought, you know, I can't just preach this. I need to do it. And so Pastor Merritt's son, Philip, a lot of you guys know him. A few years ago, he got involved with Beachbody and uh, P90X. He lost a ton of weight. He looks great, and he sells these products and a few months ago, I saw he put at the beginning of the year in January an advertisement for a product called a three-day refresh. And he said, if you're coming out of the holidays and you need to kind of cleanse all that stuff out, 
take this product. And I looked at it and I thought, I really need to do that. But I was broke after Christmas, like you. And so a few weeks ago, I called him and I said, hey, Philip. I said, you still got that three-day detox thing? I said, can you get it for me? I think I want to try it. I'm going to give it a shot. It'll give me something to talk about for the series. So um, last Monday, he came by the office and brought me this little box, which contained everything I was supposed to eat for three days. I'm almost uh, telling the truth. I did eat, eat, did eat to have a couple of uh, fruits and vegetables, but he brings this to me, and it's packed with these pr- protein shakes. And he, he, he's sharing, tell me, okay, this is what you got to do over three days. So Tuesday through Thursday this week, y'all, I detoxed. <laughs> and uh, Lord helped me. The Lord had to help me, I'm telling you. Because what it was was every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you had a protein shake. I know some of you love those, and you're all about it, and you're just walking around like this. And, uh, but I'm like, man, it took all I could do to get that thing down. And then mid-morning, this is real nice. You're going to like this one. Mid-morning, you're supposed to have what's called a fiber sweep. <laughs> Y'all, it is just as lovely as you think it is. I'm telling you, I was holding my nose, I was praying the Spirit, I was doing everything I could do to get that thing down. And um, I got through it after three days, I got through it, and, and Friday morning I got up and I was like, okay, here we go, we're going to jump on the scale, we're going to see what happened. And I jumped on the scale and I had lost eight pounds. I was like, "Woo! how about that? And I felt good Friday morning. I had a lot of energy. I was working on my message. I preached it to my couch uh, two or three times uh, Friday morning. I'm thinking, man, I feel good. And I don't know if it was the, the, the feeling of, of knowing I had gotten done or that I was going to Zaxby's for lunch. But, uh, but I, I felt good. <clears throat> Tressa said, did you go to Zaxby's? I said, yeah. She said, well, who'd you meet? I said, I didn't meet anybody. I said, it was packed. I drove through the drive-thru, and I sat in the car and ate it. (laughs) Y'all, I had to have something fried. I was shaking. I I had to get my body back to normal. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) After that detox. But, 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 you know, it's important that we take care of our bodies. We know that. But what we've said during this series, that, that my body is not the most important thing. I am not a body with a soul. I am a soul with a body. My body's just a house. And one day this house is going to roll in here or somewhere and it's going to shut down. But my soul is going to live forever. And it's important that I take care of my soul. In this verse that we've been using, Peter tells us that there are things that are coming against our souls. He says that they're actually waging a war against our souls and we've we've talked about over the last three weeks the things that wage war against our soul the first week we said that our souls can be poisoned by things like bitterness envy and anger the second week we talked about that our souls can become heavy with anxiety and depression last week we talked about that our souls can become overwhelmed and distracted and even we can have secret sin in our life that we put back in the corner and our souls can become restless well today as you saw in the opening video we're going to talk about the seduced soul now the word seduced means to lead or draw away 
from faith or principles or practices. And the seduced soul is one that's attracted, enticed, and tempted to do something. In James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, James kind of gives us a, a, a play by play of how this happens and how our souls can become tempted and seduced. Now, look at what James says. James says, when you're tempted, nobody can say God's tempting me because God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone by evil. But he said, each person is tempted when. They're dragged away by their own sinful desire, evil desire. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. James gives us three stages of what happens. Number one is desire. Number two is sin. And number two is death. When I read that, I think immediately about what David did. Remember David? He's king. Everybody is out, out to war. Uh, that's where he should be. But one day he's walking on the top of his house. He sees Bathsheba. He shouldn't be looking in her direction. But he has a desire for her, which leads to sin. And had David not stopped and repented and asked for forgiveness, would ultimately have ended in his spiritual and eternal death. I want to kind of show you what I think this uh, scripture means and, and how it kind of plays out and I'm going to ask my two boys Brock and Trent to come up here and they're going to help me illustrate this this morning and I'm going to ask Trent to put on that black robe over there he's going to be the bad guy today you know you're a good actor when you can be the worship leader and the bad guy all in the same all in the same service that's a little bit too much like the devil for real in the real story if you stop and think about it. But, but Trent's going to play the bad guy this morning. And Brock is going to play the good guy this morning. And so this is, this is what we're going we're gonna to say. Trent is going to represent, uh, he's going to represent sin. He's going to represent temptation. He's going to represent evil desires. He's going to represent uh, Satan, the devil, whatever. He's going to represent that side. Brock's the good guy today. He look like a good guy. He's a, good, he's a good guy today, and he is going to represent all of us who have decided to follow Christ, make a decision to put Jesus at the front of our lives and follow Him with our lives, okay? How many people are, you're, you're Him, this is you, this is you right here, okay? And so what we're going to say is that that's who He represents, but, but there's a problem, see, because when Brock was born on February 14th, 2003, he couldn't help it, but he was born with sinful nature. He had sinful nature inside of him from the day he was born. Sinful desires inside of him from day one. Are you with me? From day one, he's born with that. Okay, But at some point, Brock is uh, 11 now, right? You're 12? Oh my gosh, they do grow up fast. <laughs> I missed a birthday somewhere. Brock is 12 now, somewhere along the line, I'm sorry, I knew that, somewhere along the line, Brock, it was either in Kidsville or a youth camp or something, he's asked Christ into his life to be the Lord of his life, he's asked uh, Jesus to be his Savior, and I thank God for that, and when that happened, 
Come on over here to the cross, uh, Brock. When he did that, even though he still got sinful desires, turn and face the crowd there, now he's got a clean soul. Amen? Now, because he came to the cross, he's got a clean soul. Jesus stands in his place. Are the sinful desires still there? It's still there, but he has a clean soul. Now, I made my first mistake of 2015. Good gracious. I almost made it through the whole year. I said it wrong. Sinful nature. Because the enemy is going to do that one here in a second. Okay, rewind. Sinful nature, born with sinful nature, accepts God. He's got a clean soul. Okay, now we're back on track. All right? Anybody got this? Say, I got it. All right, comes before God. Jesus stands in his place. Not his righteousness, not your righteousness. I can't be righteous enough. Amen. But Jesus stands in my place, and now I can stand before him with a clean soul. But look what the scripture says. It says that even though I have made that choice and that decision, there's still temptation, right? Any Christians here, you're still tempted. Raise your hand. If you're not, you're not honest. You just were tempted to lie, okay? But we are tempted, right? And just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you've sinned, right? So temptations come, and they come in the way of sinful desires. So Brock here, he's at the cross, he's given his life to Christ, but what sinful desires try to do is what the Scripture says. Sinful desires try to drag somebody away by their own desire and entice them. Those desires are dragging him away from his focus on the cross to those sinful desires that are in his life. If you got it, say, I got it. Okay, now, let's watch this. There's a lot of things as we start this school year for a middle schooler, a high schooler, a kid, a college student, and every adult in this room, there are plenty of things in our lives that come at us and try to pull us away from our relationship with God, right? This means yes, right? It happens. And so this morning, we're going to talk about two things that the enemy uses to seduce our soul and pull us away. Now, let me ask this question. <clears throat> well, first of all, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at cultural toxins. That's the first thing. Cultural toxins, okay? Now, something that is toxic is something that is poisonous, okay? It's been affected by poison. Now, uh, kids, kids city, okay? I, I know you're here. I want you to talk to me. You got permission to talk in church right now, okay? Kids city, okay? Talk to me. Raise your hand if you can think of something that's poisonous. Something that's poisonous. Back there, what's something? Snakes, that's right. What's something else? Some flowers are poisonous, is that right? What else? Somebody else? What else? Poison ivy. What else is poisonous? Anybody know of anything else that's poisonous? What else? Spiders can be poisonous. What else, Mr. Key? What's that? Sea urchins can be poisonous. I didn't know that. Man, these kids know everything. What's something else that can be poisonous? Back there. Say it again. Chemicals. Very good. Chemicals can be poisonous. What else? Frogs can be poisonous. That's right. Anything else that can be poisonous. Plenty of things can be poisonous. Now, all right, Kid City, talk back to me again. 
when you encounter something that's poisonous and it's got a toxin in it, what does it do? What can it do to you? Raise your hand. Kid City, what? Exactly. It can make you sick. What else can it do? It can kill you. What else, Mr. Key? Good night. The golden vi- Did you hear that? The golden viper from Snake Island can turn your blood to jail. I can tell you where I won't be going on vacation. That is Snake Island. Yeah, we know that poisons, if something poisonous gets into our system, it can harm us, it can make us sick, it can damage our body, it can even kill us, right? There are cultural toxins that are around all of us that we encounter all the time that that everybody around us may say are okay, but there are things that can make us sick. Now watch this. This is what the enemy wants to do. There are different things that he can use that may seem like no big deal, but can bring into our lives to make us sick. Step on up a little bit, Brock. One of those things can be music. Is all music bad? Is all music good? Is all secular music bad? The answer is no. There's nothing like a good love song between you and your honey. All right? I'm not going to stand here and say that all secular music is bad. But what I am going to say is there are some things that we can listen to that culturally everybody else has listened to. It seems like it's okay, but it can pull us away from our relationship with God. There's other things. It could be movies that we watch that culturally seem to be the movie or the TV show of the time, but yet that movie can be toxic to us and be poisonous to us. Something else that can come into our lives is the web, the web, the internet. On the internet, there's lots of great things and there's lots of not so great things. Plenty of things there on the internet to draw us away from our relationship with Christ. Our friends, if we don't have the right people around us influencing us, they can draw us away. They can be toxic as well. What else? Something else that the enemy can use. Games, video games, really? It's not just Donkey Kong anymore, y'all, or Pac-Man. There are games that are out there that can poison our minds and our souls, and we got to be aware of those. And there's also apps. Man, there's an app for everything. And there's apps out there that you can put on your phone and you can use that maybe aren't the greatest apps in the world. Many people see all these things as culturally normal. But just because it's culturally accepted doesn't mean it's good for you spiritually. Just because it's culturally acceptable doesn't mean it's good for you spiritually. These things could help you to draw closer to God. Or they could work the opposite way and cause you to move away from God. Look at this scripture in Proverbs 25, 26. It says, like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. How many people this summer, raise your hand if you spent any time this summer at a pool, at a really nice pool? Anybody? A lot of us, at some point this summer, we spent time at a good pool. There's nothing like walking up to a clear, crisp crystal, I got too many C's, crystal clean pool like that. When I walk up to a pool like that, I'm like, man, somebody's doing their homework. They know what to do. They know the right chemicals. I can see to the bottom. I know there's nothing there. And whenever I see that pool right there, I want to jump in. Anybody else? That pool looks good. 
But if I go to a hotel and I walk up and I see this pool, woo! <laughs> I'm like, hey, boys, we're going to go find something else to do. We're not going to that pool. That pool is muddy, it's nasty, it's dirty. I think I can just get sick by looking at that pool. The scripture said, look at it, it said, Like a muddied spring or a polluted well, the righteous who give way to the wicked. Our lives, kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers, adults, college students, our lives in Christ to the best that we can are supposed to look like that clean pool. We got to do the best job we can of working that pool. Do you know if somebody's got to pull that clean, and any pool owners in here will tell you, it's a lot of work to keep it that clean, isn't it? It's a lot of work. But if we're not careful, these things can come into our lives, and we can wind up with that nasty, muddy, ugly, poisonous, green pool. Out of adjectives. When I was thinking about this this week, I, I thought of a movie that I remember. And it's one of those movies that if I see it on TV, I'll record it, and I'll watch it. And, and I've watched it many times, but I really like the story of this movie. And it came out in the late 90s, and it's a, a John Travolta call, movie called A Civil Action. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but in this movie, Travolta plays a lawyer. And he is representing these people who have been affected by a chemical that is polluting the water in a town. In the movie, there is a, a, a plant that is a, a big-time plant in a small town that a lot of people work at this plant. And through time, true story, over 15 years, 12 people died and they were trying to figure out in this community why this was going on and they figured out that they thought it had something to do with pollutants that the factory was putting into the into the air and then going down into the water and it was in getting into chemicals and people were drinking it and it was so bad that even some children were developing leukemia as a result of it so in the movie Travolta plays this lawyer who has a small law firm and not a lot of money and he's going up against the big chemical company then they're trying to get a win for these people and the whole basic idea of the movie is to make the factory responsible for what they were doing they were causing unseen damage that nobody really saw over time but it just kind of started accumulating and in the movie, Travolta and his team, they run out of money. They do everything they can. But in the end, spoiler alert, they win the case. And I thought about that this week, and I said, that's the same way as our lives. If we're not careful, we'll allow unseen things that we don't even realize to pollute our lives, and we'll get sick, and we don't even know it. And just like... Travolta's job as that lawyer was to make that company responsible for what they're doing. You are responsible for what you put inside yourself. Parents, you're responsible for what goes inside your kids as long as they're in your house. You have a responsibility to watch over them. But ultimately, we all are responsible for what we're taking in. Are you right? Am I right? And sometimes we need to stop and take inventory of the things that we're doing, the apps that we're playing, the games that we're, we're messing around with, where we are on the web, movies we're watching, 
And it might be something that everybody else is doing, but it might not be spiritually good for us. It may not keep us as close to Christ as we need to be. See, everything that you take in has the potential to draw you closer to Christ or pull you further away from Christ. Everything counts, is what I'm saying. Everything counts. I've heard of, and I've talked to people before and had this conversation with people who came out of a movie. I'm not going to name any movies, TV shows today. That's the only one. Because it's between you and God, and, and it's your conscience that you've got to figure that out with. All right, I'm not going to get into legalism this morning, but here's the thing. I've seen and heard of people who are Christian followers of Christ and you begin to talk to them about a movie they went to see and they're like, oh man, that movie was great, it was awesome. And you say, well, did you not know? I mean, I looked that movie up on my phone and there was like over a hundred of the biggest cuss words that there are in that movie. Well, you know, I didn't even notice it. It doesn't bother me. I didn't even notice it. I think if, it, if we lose the fact that we don't notice it, I think there might be a problem. And, and we all are guilty of that from time to time. Look what Paul said in Romans 12, verse 1. He said, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Don't get so adjusted to everything that's going on that your mind kind of just shuts off and you never recognize anything that is contrary to what God would have you put into you. Sometimes we just, our minds just shut off and we don't, we don't even think about it anymore. And then Paul says, don't be like the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. That sounds just like what James said, doesn't it? He uses the same word, dragging away. And Paul says the culture drags you down. And a lot of times we'll say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a small thing. You know, it's really not that important. It's like the little boy who, who came in and he was a middle school kid and he wanted to go with his friends to go see a movie. And uh, he comes in and tells his mom the, the movie he wants to see. And she's a little and hesitant about it. He says, there's some stuff in it, but it's really not that big of a deal. Can I go? And he says, well, she says, well, um, yeah, go ahead. Go, go get a shower and get ready. And, and while you're getting ready, I'm going to make you some of my world-famous brownies. And he's like, well, I didn't expect that. Brownies? Okay. So he goes in. He's getting ready. Mom goes outside. She's making the brownies. And she gets just a little scoop of the dog's poop. Brings it in the house, puts it in the batter, mixes it up, puts the brownies in the oven, and the smell of the brownies. I mean, you know what it's like when you walk in the house and the brownies are, are, are hitting your nose. I mean, woo, praise the Lord. And so the boy's smelling that, and he's like, oh, man, Mom's making the brownies. He goes in there. She gets him a big piece of brownie, a big uh, glass of milk. He sits down, and he's about to take a bite of that brownie. She says, wait me just a minute before you take a bite of that brownie. I just want to tell you that, you know, as I was making that brownie, I went outside. I got just a little scoop of the, of the dog's poop and mixed it in there. And it was just a little bit, so it's not that big of a deal. The kid's about to get sick, you know, and he drops the brownie and he says, I guess that means I'm not going to the movie. <laughs> what did I say a while ago? Everything counts? Say that. What? Everything counts. 
We've got to ask ourselves, is it beneficial? Is it acceptable? Will it draw us away? Will that person, will that app, will that activity, will that relationship, will that movie, will that music, what is it doing? There's nothing in this that is just neutral. It's going to do something in our relationship with God. So what do we do? I mean, is there a, what do we do with this? What's the answer, okay? You're like, I got it. What's the answer? Well, this is what we do. The very beginning of that scripture, Romans 12, 1, gives us the answer. Paul says, take your everyday life, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. So here's the answer. What we do, if, if my man here is trying to live right before God, he's trying to please God and honor God, and he's got these things in his life, and he's going to use apps, he's going to watch movies, he's going to have friends, he's going to listen to music. What has he got to do? The scripture says he's got to take these things and offer them as an offering before God. You see that? I've got to take the movies, the music, the friends, the apps, all of it, and Paul says, take it all, eat and sleep and walking around, everything you do, offer it before God and say, God, is this pleasing to you? Now notice what's still going on. When I'm offering it before God, I still got that clean soul going on underneath. And I've also battling with that sinful nature. But if I got to deal with this stuff, y'all with me over there? This is how I do it. I got to offer it before God. That's a lot of work, yes. But is it worth it to keep that pool clean and be able to swim in absolutely don't let your life be a dirty pool amen amen guys thank you very much give them a hand y'all did good i detox this week man i'm out of i'm out of juice i'm just like dry as a bone i was sitting on my bed on uh Day two of the detox. And uh, Trust was getting ready for school. And I just looked at her and I said, I said, I am already bored when I think about this day that's ahead of me. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I'm just bored because there's no meat in my day. There is no chips in my day. There's nothing good to eat in my day. I said, I just don't, I don't even feel like getting this day going. That was on day two. And later on that morning, she sent me a text, and she said, you do realize what you just said is a perfect example for the message Sunday. And I knew what she was saying, that even though it didn't feel good, it, it, it wasn't the, the most enjoyable thing I've ever done to go through that detox, what it was doing was it was cleaning out impurities and junk and, and stuff in my life, helping me to be able to feel better. It wasn't enjoyable, but it was good for my body. It's not that enjoyable when we have to knock those things out of our lives and maybe God says, uh, you maybe don't need to go see that type of movie, that type of music, whatever. It's not the most enjoyable thing you'll ever do, but it is good for you. So cultural toxins are something we got to look out for. Here's the second thing, okay? There's only two today. Cultural toxins and the other one is toxic relationships, okay? Let's, we, we mentioned that just a second ago, but let's talk in detail today about toxic relationships. Your friends, your family, your co-workers, they can be life-giving, loving, inspiring, or they can be life-draining, they can be hateful, or they can be depressing. 
I want you to think about the people in your life for a second. Do the people in your life encourage you? Do they lift you up? Do they lead you to Christ? Or do you have negative people around you who pull you apart, find fault in you, drag you down, and say things to hurt you and hurt your soul? Think about the people in your life for a second. I thought about something this week that, that a lot of us here experienced uh, last December. I remember about the second, and some of you will remember this, right toward the beginning of December last year, there was a, just a wave of sickness that came through the county. It came through the church. It came through the school. It came through families. And, I mean, it, just, it was knocking people out left and right. It was a flu virus. It was a stomach virus. It was a head cold. And I can remember people saying, man, I don't want to be sick for Christmas. I, and I remember over those weeks coming into Christmas, man, it hit us in here. There were a lot of you that were sick. And, and, and it would hit you, and then it would go through your family. And I remember some of you said, I'm just going to quarantine myself because I don't want my family to get sick or I don't want to get sick. And, and it, I just watched some of your families. Y'all remember this? It just it went all the way through your families and everybody got sick. Why does that happen? It's because you're all in close proximity to each other. How do kids get sick so much? It's because they're in proximity to each other at school. Even in your house, you're using the same faucets, the door handles, everything. You can use all the magic soap that you remember the kids used to call it when they were little magic soap that you want to. But you can still acquire a sickness because you're in close proximity to it. Toxins and poisons have a potential to make us sick. And it works the same way in our relationships. When we're around people that we're close to, just like we can get sick from them, we also can get their negative stuff and the negative things that's in their lives be in us. The people around you, they could be your greatest spiritual asset or they can be your worst spiritual curse. And you might say, it doesn't matter who I spend time with. I'm my own person. I make my own choices. I do my own thing. Others don't control me. Yes, others don't control you, but they can and do influence you. And it's tempting for us to think as believers that we can rescue everybody from the gutter who has a lifestyle different than ours and us not get any poison or any toxins on us. But... Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can encourage people. Sometimes you can assist people. But if the majority, listen, if the majority of your close relationships are with people who are living life far from God, more often than not, they will pull you down more than you pull them up. That's good enough to say again. If the majority of people that you are surrounding yourself with are living life far from God, remember that illustration a while ago? It is much easier for them to pull you down than for you to pull them up. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul just flat out says it. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You need to write this down, put it on your mirror, Tattoo it on your palm of your hand, whatever. Don't forget that. Bad company corrupts good character. When we were youth pastors, Trust and I, for over 15 years, I don't know how many times I saw this happen in the lives of students. I can remember some specific kids who were close to God 
and, and their hearts were in the right place. And I believe they were doing everything they could to serve God and live for God. But they wanted to, to meet their, they wanted to reach their friends and love their friends. And I appreciate that. But they began to surround themselves with more friends who were bad company and far from God than people who were close to God. And what happened was, for many of them, they wound up getting pulled away and were further and further away from God. And the bad company corrupted their character and they totally walked away from God. Bad company corrupts good character. If you're not careful, you're fine, you'll, you will find yourself slipping into their behavior rather than you pulling them up to yours. Listen to me. You'll find yourself laughing at inappropriate jokes and inappropriate innuendo that they're all talking about enjoying. Kids, kid city people, listen. You'll find yourself, even as a child, trying and wanting to be accepted and in those atmosphere, maybe somebody's bullying or criticizing or making fun of another kid who's maybe different or special needs. And you'll jump in with everybody else to feel a part of the crowd. And you'll be doing what they're doing instead of loving them just the way they are. When we want to belong to the crowd more than we want to honor God, we get sick. If you choose... To honor the crowd more than honor God, you will get sick. Look at this. 2 Timothy says this. He says, words are not just words. If they accumulate in your life, they will accumulate as poison in your soul. And I'm not reading all that. But at the end of that verse, <clears throat> that's what he's saying. Your soul can be poisoned by the people that you're around. In his book, Soul Detox, Craig Groeschel makes this comment. He says, you must be spiritually healthy if you want to bring God's healing love to a world of sick people. You must be spiritually healthy if you want to bring God's love to a world of sick people. So how do we love sick people and unhealthy people without getting sick? Number one, what we've got to do is we've got to learn how to set boundaries. Everybody say, set boundaries. This fence, thank you, sir. If you use it, this fence can do a lot of good or it can do a lot of bad. But if you use it in the right way, what this fence is intended to do is that it's supposed to keep in the good and keep out the bad, right? If I set boundaries in my life and in my relationships, what those boundaries should do is keep the good close and the bad at a distance. Proper boundaries will help us to enjoy good people without inhaling the bad. Now I'm going to tell you, listen to me teenagers, this is some of the best advice you're going to hear all year. Right here out of the gate, as you're going back to school, college, whatever, set boundaries. You know who gives us a perfect example of setting boundaries? Jesus. Jesus set boundaries. And some of you are thinking, I don't think so. I don't think Jesus set boundaries. Listen, Jesus loved everybody equally, but he didn't treat everybody equally. Oh, brother, I don't believe that. No, you, no, you, oh, now, now you're getting out there. 
Jesus loved everybody equally, but he didn't treat everybody equally. Here we go. How many disciples did he pick? Twelve. Not twelve hundred and not twelve thousand. Out of that twelve, he spent more time with how many than the other nine? Three. Who were they? Preach to me. Peter, James, and John, right? Jesus set boundaries. He loved the world, everybody with the same God-like compassion, but he didn't select everybody to be in his inner circle. During the day, Jesus would spend time with thousands of people. But after he fed the thousands of people, do you remember? They were all trying to go and hang out with him more and more and more because what did they want? They wanted another free loaf of bread, really, is what they wanted. But Jesus, at the end of the day, he always went back to spend time with who? Just the twelve. And even more than that, we find Jesus in special moments with just the three. And back it up one more, Jesus even set boundaries among the twelve to the three that there were times by himself Jesus is in a mountain to pray. Many times before Jesus' greatest miracles, his greatest healings, if you look it up, go look in the scriptures, you will find he was somewhere praying alone, setting up boundaries. We must set up healthy boundaries in our lives. So what can you say to somebody to set up boundaries? I'm going to give you two things that you can say. Give me a second. I need more hands this morning. Here's the first thing you can say, one of the boundaries that you can say to people is this right here. I won't let you talk to me or treat me that way. That's a boundary right there. I'm not going to let you talk to me or treat me that way, okay? Now, this is a boundary not just for teenagers or kids. This is a boundary all of us can learn to deal with, okay? Here we go. You're in a relationship with somebody and they start to gossip. Well, that don't ever happen in church, does it? Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Man, I don't like what's going on in the church. Let me tell you about what I think about the pastor. I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. I'm not going to let you talk to me about them that way. I'm not going to, you might want to go there. You might have some juicy stuff right now. But we're not going to talk about that. Nope, here's a boundary. I, I, I just, nah, I'm not interested in that. Let's talk about something else. How's Bray's doing? Talk about something else. Set up boundaries. I'm not going to let you talk about me that way. Don't be infected with distrust, distrust, I can't talk, destructive gossip. Say, I'm not participating. Ladies, this happens to you sometimes. You're on your job and there's that woman at your job or a lady that you work with and she's always putting down men. Men are pigs. Men are awful. Men are horrible. Say, you know what? I'm not getting in on that. I'm setting a boundary. I've got a great husband. He's not perfect. He snores, he leaves his underwear on the floor. I'm, I'm still training him. I'm still working on him. But I'm not going to let you talk about men that way. I'm setting a boundary. Guys, you got a buddy at work or you got one of your friends at school who's always uh, pointing out all the good-looking women to you. Look over there, look over there, look over there. We don't need that, do we, guys? We have enough problems as our own, with our own eyes, don't we? Oh, y'all ain't going to let me preach to you guys, are you? Oh, y'all about to walk out right now. What are y'all, y'all looking at me like that? I will. I'll thank you, brother. I don't need any help from you. My eyes work fine. So say to your friends, guys, hey, I don't need that. Don't show me that. I'm trying to live pure. I'm trying to live set apart. I'm trying to do the right thing. 
If somebody starts, girls, if somebody starts talking down to you, talking about you, saying something to you, don't put up with that. Say, nope, mm -mm, I'm putting up a man. You're not going to talk to me that way. And you don't have to be mean, rude, or start a fight. Just say, you're not going to talk to me that way. I'm not going to allow it to I'm not, not going to allow it to happen. Here's the other thing you can do. Here's the other boundary you set. I'm not going to let you talk to me that way or treat me that way. I'm also, I'm just not going there with you. Remember that saying from a few years ago, don't go there. Okay? I'm not going there with you. Okay? This is a big one for high school students, college students. Man, the greatest party of the year is after homecoming. It's after the big Effingham South game, whenever it is. You may want to be there and desire to be there, but you may have to set a boundary and say, I'm not going there with you. There's nothing good that's going to come out of that. I don't need to put myself in that position. I'm not going there with you. No matter what it is, maybe if you're dating somebody and they're pushing the boundaries, if you're dating somebody, nope, you lay down that that boundary, you say, uh-uh, we're not going there. This is only as far as we go. I'm living by a standard that the world doesn't live by. We're not going there. And if they won't accept your standard, kick them out of your boundary. Amen. You don't have to put up with that. Teenagers, let me talk to you. One of the hot things among teenagers. We're going to go see the scariest movie. Man, the scariest movie out there. We're going to go see Insidious 20. I mean, all other 19 Insidiouses, I mean, they were nothing compared to Insidious 20. But you know what Insidious 20 is rated? It's rated R. It's probably got tons of cuss words, nudity, language, all kinds of stuff. And you say, you want to go. I know you want to go because just like Brock had at the core, what did Brock's first one said what? God, we got a sinful nature. Let's admit it. Our sinful nature says, I kind of pulled to that. But I say, no, I'm setting a boundary. I don't go see that. Now, I'm not saying you got to go watch the minions, all right? Okay, I'm not saying you got to go watch them yabber around for, for an hour and a half and I understand anything. But you set a boundary, and then you keep setting that boundary. You won't have to keep setting it. Because they'll be like, well, we're not going to ask uh, Desi to go with us anymore because we know she doesn't go there. And if we want her to go, we're going to go see something else that we can see together. You set boundaries in your relationship. Is this good? Are you getting it? Maybe you go over to a friend's house. And this happens to a lot for guys. And he says, oh, man, you got to see what I found today. I found his website. Oh, my goodness. you got to see this. And, and he's pulling up on his phone in the hallway or in the bathroom or inviting you to come over and see it. And what are you going to do? I'm going to set a boundary. No, sir, I, I can't go there. I know my, my sinful desire wants to go there, but no, i got to set up a boundary. I can't go there. It is okay to say no. It's okay to set up boundaries. It's okay to say, I can't do that. I've got to do that. I remember, um, I thought about this this week, and I, you know, honestly, I, if I could go back, just like the rest of you, if I could go back to high school and do it all over again, man, I'd do a lot of things differently. Even as a, even as a, a kid who, who tried to be a Christian the best I could in high school, I look back and I, there were so many things I did wrong that I wish I would have done differently as a Christian teenager. I was a pretty pathetic Christian teenager, to be honest with you. I could have done a whole lot better. But I thought about it this week, and the Lord reminded me, and I guess the Lord encouraged me a little bit and said, you know, you did, you did okay with boundaries. And I remembered, I had two friends that were two of my buddies that 
they were two of my best friends from, from kindergarten. And we went through all of school together. And you, you guys all know, especially high school and college kids and everybody above, you know what happens around that middle school, high school age when all those kids you grew up with, they begin to change. And you have to deal with that change. And these kids that were your buddies, they start doing things and saying things. Like, is, it, is this still my friends? And these were my friends. They went to church, but they really didn't have a dedicated, sold-out life to Christ. But I, I still wanted to spend time with them. They were my lifelong friends. But you know what I did? The Lord helped me be able to say, okay, I knew they may be going to this party, but I wasn't going to go to that party. And so I'd say, well, if, if, if we're going to hang out this weekend, you're going to hang out on my terms. I will drive, I'll, we'll decide together where we eat, where we go, what movies we see. You can come over to my house and hang out, but I'll set up the boundaries. Now, don't walk out of here and say, Pastor Les says you can't have any non-Christian friends. That's not what I'm saying. We must be the light. But we can do it, and we can set proper boundaries and say, if, you, if you're going to be my friend, you're going to do it on my terms. Come with me. We'll do it together. Hang out with my house in a safe place. Don't put yourself in a position. And if you try faithfully, listen now, if you faithfully try to set those boundaries and that person continues to be a toxin in your life and continues to, to push you toward toxic behavior, it might come time that you have to cut off the relationship. I heard the story about a guy who had a cat. And the cat got so sick in one leg, they took the cat to the vet and they had a choice. It's either we kill the cat or we take that leg. And they said, we want to keep the cat. So they amputated the one leg and now we've got a three-legged cat. He, wanted, he asked his kids if they could change his name to Tripod, but they wouldn't go along with that. But instead of killing the whole cat, they said, we're going to cut one thing off. And you might have a friend, I'm not saying cut them all off, but if you've got a friend who's just constantly bringing you down and is not encouraging you and what the type of friend that you deserve, cut them off. I'm not talking about, just so we're clear, I'm not talking about toxic relationships. I'm not talking about divorce, okay? I'm not saying it's okay to divorce your spouse because you're in a toxic relationship or cut your kids off. If you're an adult and your kids are going crazy, well, I'm just going to cut them off. I'm not talking about that. We love, we endure, we, we go as far as we possibly can. But if we cannot redefine the relationship and it is getting dangerous, we've got to cut it off. Think about Joseph. Not the earthly father of Jesus, but Joseph in the book of, of Genesis. He was trapped by Potiphar's wife. She wanted a relationship with him that he wasn't going to give her. And what did Joseph do? He took off running and left his coat. He severed the relationship and said, I don't want any part of that. And he got out of that. Do not insult God by accepting a friend or especially somebody you're dating who's not worthy of you. Y'all about to sleep. I'm almost done. Do not insult God by accepting a dating relationship or a friend who's not worthy of you. You are worthy of the best. You're worthy of the best friends. You're worthy of the best person that you can date. Wait it out until the right person comes along. God is faithful and they will bring them along. Amen, parents? Amen. Don't forget, set those boundaries. What else? Proverbs 12, 21 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. One more time, this quote. 
if you, you must be spiritually healthy if you want to bring God's healing love to a world of sick people. That's another one you could put on your refrigerator. You've got to be spiritually healthy if you're going to love people who are away from God. So, I've got to do it. I've got to set healthy boundaries. And there's two more things I've got to do, and I'm going to give them to you in 60 seconds. Number two, you've got to love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Don't miss that. Because Jesus set boundaries, but he loved unconditionally. Everybody around him, he loved them unconditionally, but he still set boundaries. No matter what they believe, no matter what lifestyle they have, no matter what it is, you may be their source to the cross because you have lunch with them. You can't set a boundary probably at lunch. you got to be there. Maybe God put you in that position to love them unconditionally and then do the third thing, and that is look for opportunities to share the gospel. You can still set boundaries, love people unconditionally, and still lead them to Christ. Can I get an amen? I believe that with all my heart. Because the scripture that we've been looking at for the last four weeks, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-12, through 12, we've talked and talked about how it says how the enemy wages war against our soul. But the last part of that scripture, this is what it says. And this is the closing of the series. In the message, look at this. It says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. They'll be won over to God's side and be there to join you in the celebration when he arrives. What does that mean? Who are the natives? That's everybody that's around you. Everybody that is there in your life. Do you trust God's word? If you trust God's word, then God, God's word tells us that if we live lives and try to keep our souls clean, that that is an example to everybody around us. And they'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, you better believe it. If you are among your friends in middle school and high school and college and you're walking around setting boundaries, you will stand out. There is nobody who says we're not going to see that, not going to drink that, not going to do that anymore. If you set boundaries, you'll, you will step out and, and you will stand out and people are starving. Renee, if you'll come. People are starving for the real thing. Adults, do you know that? Do you realize that people at your school, at your job, where you're at, they are starving to see real faith, love, and action. People are dying to see it. And we have the message. We have the hope of the cross. We're still full of sinful desires. We will have a sinful nature until we die. But praise be to Jesus. I have been, I have been set apart through him and by him only. And through him and by him I can bring somebody else with me to the cross. Amen. Here's where we're going to land this morning. We're going to have prayer together about what we've talked about. And then we're going to close with a time of prayer for our schools and our teachers and our kids and parents. We're going to pray for everybody this morning. We're not, we're not going to be here a long time doing that. But just please, unless you've got to go somewhere and your car is on fire in the parking lot, stay with us. So let's, let's take a moment.
to detox. Okay? Put that last screen up there. Our souls are protected from being seduced when we do this. It's the first thing we talked about, cultural toxins. We take a regular inventory of the influences in our lives through music, entertainment, relationships, activities. Guys, constantly, all year long, be stopping and asking yourself. Remember when Brock stood over here? He took all that off and he was holding it up constantly. That's what we have to be doing, right, church? We have to constantly be putting that before the Lord. And the second one, we got to set healthy boundaries around unhealthy people. What's the Lord saying to you today? As, as he stood there and the enemy put those signs on him, was did one of those stick out and you're like, oh man, that's me. I've, let, I've been letting down right there. Is there somebody, adults in your life that maybe you've allowed in and you, you need to set a boundary in with? Adults, have you, have we as adults let our guard down? allowed cultural toxins in our lives that are not healthy and are poisoning us and we don't know it who do you need to put a boundary around who's some people that they're going to be in your life but you need to set a healthy boundary around so you can be healthy so you can reach them let's bow our heads and I'm not going to ask you to come forward for prayer this morning for the message part in response but let's just take a moment to detox our souls and just allow the Lord to speak to you right now and if there's something in your life that maybe you need to to give to him just like we did with Brock if there's something you need to lift up to the Lord right now and lift up to the cross and say God I've, I need to ask for forgiveness I need to give this relationship the situation over to you. I want to ask you right now, just right where you're at, just begin to do that.